Let's pray and let's dig into the Word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you, we love you, Lord. We ask now as we go to your Word that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. We thank you for everyone who's here this morning, none by chance, all by divine appointment. And as we finish up this exhortive letter being written to the early church that was being drawn away by false teachers, it's so applicable to our lives today. Lord, I pray that we would know the truth so we would never fall for the lie, that we'd be men and women of the word who study it and read it and obey it. Lord, help us to be people who pray in the power of the Holy Spirit to live lives sold out and set apart unto you. And Lord, I just pray that your word would go forth with power. Give us ears to hear what your spirit would say and hearts to believe and to respond. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said... So Jude is a letter. Jude is written by one of Jesus's brothers. If you're here this morning, you didn't know that Jesus had brothers and sisters. The Bible clearly says he does. One thing's crazy about his brothers is they did not believe in him until after he rose from the dead. So Jude is writing this letter and he's exhorting the early church because the church is about 40 years old at this point, 40 to 50 years old at this point, and already false teachers are coming in and teaching another gospel. Uh, We know the Gnostics, we talk about it at at length, but they were the ones who believed you could give your life to the Lord and your spirit would be saved. And since your flesh is evil, you could just live like the devil the rest of your life and still go to heaven. And we know that's contrary to what the word of God says. The Bible says, by your fruit, they shall know you. Amen? So Jude writes this letter and he's exhorting them and encouraging them. And the false teachers, a couple of things they were doing, they would... uh, They would turn the gospel of grace into something that allowed them to live a fleshly life separated from God. They would preach a false gospel, and that's what the enemy will do with us. He will do the same thing that happened in the garden. Did God really say? And it will challenge the word of God. And we see this on on social media right now. People say they're deconstructing their faith. That's the biggest bunch of nonsense. Just say you're denying the truth of who Jesus is because we don't deconstruct. We don't reassess our faith. We don't find my truth, which is nauseating, by the way. It's not my truth. It's the truth, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? And so the exhortation here is he's exhorting them. These false teachers are coming in, and the only way you're going to be able to recognize the lie is if you know the truth. Over the last few weeks, we've uh, looked at some of the things that they were caught up in, I'll just go through those quickly and then we'll dig into the text. But the things that we start, we, they began to do were things like, they would talk about how the, they fell into the way of Cain. These are examples he gave. Now, what was that? If you were here last week, Cain brought a sacrifice to God that was not acceptable. You know, Abel brought Again, a a sacrifice is without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness for sin. And Cain, because he was a farmer, brought vegetables to offer to God. And it wasn't because he offered vegetables as much as he thought he could come to God his own way. Guys, there's only one way God said to get to heaven, and Jesus is the only way. And Jesus, you know, did not, I I don't know what you would do with vegetables for sacrifice. Amen, by the way. And by the way, you notice that meat is a good sacrifice and vegetables are not. But Amen. (laughs) Just saying. Okay. Sweet smelling aroma. Rice killing eat. We ain't killing broccoli. Can I get an amen to that? But they went the way of Cain, thinking they could come to God their own way. There's not your way. There's not a way. There's the only one way. One way God said to get to heaven. Then they followed the error of Balaam. If you remember that, the Balaam was a prophet, and Balak, who was concerned that the children of Israel to overrun his people, he started bribing Balaam to go and prophesy against Israel, to go and curse them, if you will. And every time he, would, he started to pay him at first, and Balaam said no, he offered more money, and he got to a number that he thought, well, I could just go curse them. But then when he went up on the mountain and looked down on Israel, all he could do was give blessings. But the way of Balaam, sadly, is when somebody will make money more important than the truth. Somebody who will sell out uh, what they're called to do for a worldly profit. And we see that a lot with, quote, you know, pastors on television, amen, who their focus and their, and their desire is for money. So these false teachers were going the way of Cain. They were trying to come to God their own way, and they were using the gospel as an opportunity 
to make money. And then we saw the rebellion of Korah where they said, well, who said that Moses should be in charge? And they wanted to be in charge themselves and they challenged him and they got a group of these Levites and a group of these leaders to challenge Moses. And then they stood together and God opened up the ground and swallowed up everybody with Korah. And I think we understand that God appoints people, men don't. Can I get an amen to that? Because Moses was God's man. Moses was the leader that he called. And so today, we have people going the way of Korah as well. They reject the authority of God. Many times they're striving for their own position, and they want to live their life instead of submitting their lives to the Lord. By the way, when you submit your life to the Lord, your life is going to be way better than anything you would do on your own. Can I get an amen to that? Because we are, you know, we are idiots compared to God. Amen. We choose to do the wrong thing. And the way of the transgressor is hard. And our God is not trying to keep you from fun. He wants to keep you from harm. He's a loving, he's a gracious, and he's a merciful God. We also saw when he talked about the false teachers that they were like clouds without water. You know, a cloud on a droughty day, droughtful day is a promise you would hope, but it delivers nothing. And that's what the false teachers were like. They were like trees without fruit. They were like raging waves of, of sea foaming up to their own shame. You know, the, the waves, all they did was bring destruction, and it didn't bring anything that was fruitful. There were wandering stars that talked about how they just burn out. They don't last. Their, their, their message doesn't it, it, you know, last through time. You know, a wandering star can never be something, you know, they used the stars when they were sailing for what direction to go. But if a star burns out in 45 seconds, it gives no direction. Guys, our direction comes from the Lord. And then finally, look at verse 14 and 15. We didn't get to this last week. Let's do this quickly and then we'll dig into this morning's text. But in verse 14 and 15, we're going to see the coming judgment for the false teachers. See, these false teachers, they think that they can just you know, teach what they teach and there'll be no impact. But the reality is that our God is a God of love and grace and mercy, but also he's also a righteous judge. Look at verse 14 and 15. Now, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men saying, behold, the Lord comes with 10,000s of his saints to have a potluck. That's not what it says. It says to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them for all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Does he say ungodly a few times there? <laughs> See, God's way is the only way, and Satan seeks to steal, kill, and destroy, and he wants you to go any way but the way of the Lord. He wants you to get caught up in the things of the world. He wants you to make something else the priority and the passion of your life. And he says, these false teachers, righteous judgment is coming. Now, we want to see people saved, and we don't want to be self-righteous, and we don't want to you know, attack people. We want to speak the truth and do it in love. But that being said, somebody needs to stand up when someone is preaching something that will bring destruction to the people that we love and call it out for what it is. It's a lie from the devil. Can I get an amen to that? And we need to stand up for the truth and quit being afraid of the truth and quit apologizing for the truth and quit being shy about the truth. Amen? Aren't you glad somebody loved you enough to tell you the truth? And these false teachers, I told you that it was, it was years ago, but some Jehovah's Witnesses were going through my neighborhood. I just followed them down the street and stood on the street. And when they'd go to the door, false prophets, don't listen to them. They left, got in their car, and went to another neighborhood. Amen? But at some point, we got to love people enough to speak the truth, and these false teachers will be dealt with. It breaks my heart to see the things that people will listen to on Christian television and give millions of dollars to, because the reality is there is a truth that they need to know, and these false teachers are coming in and preaching a lie. My grandmother lived out in Yucca Valley and only got a couple TV channels, and one of them was TBN. And, you know, it's funny, you have the Trinity Broadcast Network and they have people on there who don't believe in the Trinity, but other than that, and they would, and what would happen is she would give to them because she just didn't know any better. And I would say, Grandma, no, let me, let me share the truth with you. And, and guys, we must not keep this to ourselves. 
There's a cancer, it's called sin, and everybody's dying from it. And we have the antidote, it's the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. And there's no other hope, there's no other answer. He's the reason for the season, but he's the reason for everything, amen? And he's the reason that we live and move and breathe. And without him, we are most desperate of all people. If you have the outline for this morning, grab it. And I tell the message, how to stand in the truth when surrounded by lies. You know, you send your kids off to college and they get a bunch of people preaching lies at them most of the time. I went to college myself and I just remember my philosophy teacher, my sociology teacher, my, you know, I had to take psychology, all those classes that you take and you have people that are in positions of authority telling you things that just aren't true. And the sad part is if you listen to it long enough and you, you have that, that person authority over you long enough, you're going to believe a lie. And so the exhortation here is how do you stand for truth when you're surrounded by lies? Two main points here. First of all, learn to recognize the words of false teachers and the source of their problem. We'll get into this in detail. And then secondly, follow the clear instructions found in God's word. You know, you know how you can stand against the lie is knowing the truth, walking in the truth, being filled with the spirit of the living God. You will recognize the lie when you see it. So how do you do that? By remembering God's word. Uh, you know, you, you, this is between you and the Lord. How many times you open up the Word of God this week? Where's your relationship with Him? Is He the priority? Or does He get your leftovers at the end of the day a couple times a week when you're about to fall asleep? You know, begin your day with the Lord. Remember God's Word. Number two, keep growing spiritually. Guys, Christianity is like a grease pole. You're either climbing up or sliding down. You're either getting closer to Him or further away from Him. And, it's, and if, if you're not as close to God as you used to be, who moved? Amen? We move away from Him or we move toward Him. Exercise spiritual discernment in how you approach people with the gospel. Again, speak the truth in love, and then finally commit yourself fully to Jesus. So let's pick up there in verse 16, how to stand in the truth when surrounded by lies, learn to recognize the words of false teachers. These are grumblers. The word grumble there, these, these false teachers, these certain men who had crept into the church unnoticed. By the way, if you recognize somebody is teaching a false gospel in a church or somebody's coming alongside, a lot of times they'll come alongside away from the pastors and, oh, but yeah, but I have a deeper truth. I know a better way. That's what every false teacher does. All the cults do the same thing. They make Jesus less and man more. And they, say, they think they have some truth. And if, we, if you recognize any of that taking place in this church, I would pray that you would bring it to my attention, the other pastor's attention. We've had it happen, not a lot, thankfully. But when it does, there's wolves in sheep's clothing. And a lot of times they come in with another, and usually they'll go into a church because they can't plant churches on their own. So they'll go into a healthy church and they'll look for people who are new in the faith or not real strong in the faith. So these certain men had crept in and those who turn the grace of God into an excuse to live sinful and perverse lives, who deny the Lord, who follow the same patterns, again, of the, the unbelieving Israelites, right? Uh, you know, they, they didn't go into the land of promise. We talked about this last week. Ten people kept two million people from doing what God wanted them to do. They were commanded to go into the land of promise. Ten guys came out. You know, we know that Joshua and Caleb came out and said, let's get them. The other 10 said, oh, we'll get crushed. They listened to men instead of listening to God, and they wandered in the wilderness till they all dropped dead, everybody over the age of 20. So guys, we don't want to listen to the world. We want to listen to the Lord, and we need to know the difference between their voices. Amen? And the way we know it is through the Word of God. They were like the rebellious angels. Uh, what did they do with Lucifer? I will be like the Most High. I, and they tried to overthrow the throne of God and put, make themselves more important. Guys, don't try to make your desires and your will more important than what God says. Amen? God knows what is best for us. Then the sexually immoral sodomites. That was Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes, we talk about that because it's in the Bible. They defiled the flesh. They rejected authority. And what did they do? They tried to attack these angels to, have, to bring them out and have uh, sex with the angels. And God rescued just the lot in his family and brought fire down upon him. Guys, our God is a God of love and grace and mercy. He suffers long, but he won't suffer always. The way of the transgressor is hard. Amen? And so these false teachers are coming in, and what they're really doing is drawing people away from the truth 
And they're going to lead them into a place of destruction. Let me just say this. Let's stop for a second. I'm concerned where every single person in this room is going to spend eternity. And I hope you're concerned too. Because every one of us is going to spend an eternity somewhere. Either in the presence of Almighty God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who loved you so much, you'd rather die than live without you. He sent his son to suffer and die in your place. That you might have eternal life. The place where there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death, no more suffering. Where we'll see our Savior face to face. Or you're going to spend eternity in a place of eternal torment with no relief. Guys, that's what matters. We live this life for one main reason, and here's what it is. What have you done with God's Son? I need to know Him and to make Him known. Amen? And that needs to be our heart. So these guys, focus, he focuses on their speech. He said they're grumblers or murmurers. The Old Testament word in Hebrew used to describe Israel's murmuring against God. You know, when they were, oh, that we could have died in Egypt. At least we had leeks and onions back in Egypt. Oh, and you know, they mourned. Poor Moses. I'm going to hug that brother when I get to heaven. I'm just going to give that brother some love. Come here, Mo Moses, come here. Come here. Let's hug it out. He pastored two million whiners. Forty years. Two million whiners. And then he doesn't get to go into the land of promise. Amen? Wow. God bless you, bro. Amen? You brought us out of the wilderness, and we were dying of hunger. And then the Lord said, how long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? See, as believers, we should not be murmurs, and we should not be complainers, because we have nothing to complain about, because we're going to heaven. Amen? We're born again. I mean, we have, we're the richest people on the planet. How, what in the world do we have to complain? I don't care if gas costs $75 a gallon, we're still going to heaven. Amen? And we don't need to murmur. We don't need to complain. It's all passing away. None of it will matter when we get to heaven. False teachers focus on themselves and the temporal things in the world. And they were quick to murmur against God. And then it says they're complainers again, uh, discontented, blaming fate, dissatisfied with God's will and God's way in their life. The Bible says that godliness with contentment, this was quoted earlier, is great gain. My life's not going the way I thought. How many guys your life went exactly the way you thought? Raise your hand. Exactly. Can I get into that? I didn't, I didn't anticipate bearing a 28-year-old son. I didn't anticipate, you know, the health issues, the trials that we've gone through in this life. I didn't anticipate any of that. But you know what? God knew it, and he's a good God, and I trust him. Amen? We don't complain. We trust him. When we murmur or complain, we are telling God that we know better than him. It's a sin of pride. We must learn to trust in God, his sovereignty, his perfect will, no matter what. False teachers, like all fleshly people, complain because they're focused on their own wants and desires, not God's glory. Guys, if we're concerned about the glory of God and the grace of God and pointing people to God, we know that in the midst of our trials, God will use it for his glory if we will but let him. But if we only praise God when he does what we want, we don't worship God, we worship ourselves. Amen? I'll love you, Lord, as long as you do what I want. I'm glad that he doesn't do what I want because it's, uh, that would be a disaster. Amen? Attributes that should not be evident in a Christian is murmuring, complaining, being discontent, being unsatisfied. And again, it's someone who focuses on themselves. And he says, walking according to their own lust. They're driven by their sinful desire of self-satisfaction. By the way, your flesh will never be satisfied. Amen? You think, if I do this, I just got to sow some wild oats. I got to get it out of my system. It'll never get out of your system. And if you sow wild oats, you'll get wild fruit that will be rotten to the core and it will be a disaster. Amen. And so the exhortation, he said, walk according to their own lust. The word lust there is craving, longing, desire for that which is forbidden, feeding their flesh instead of putting it to death. I look in the mirror every morning and I see the enemy. Amen. Dude, you got to die today. We need to put the flesh to death every single day, right? Deny self, take up the cross and follow him. Because again, the flesh will never be satisfied. That's the murmuring and complaining. Which one wins the battle, right? You got the spirit and the flesh. They're battling every day. Which one wins the battle? The one you feed the most. And you cannot walk in rebellion and fellowship at the same time. Choose one, amen? 
You can't be in rebellion against God's word, living your life your own way, and walking in fellowship with God at the same time. And when you choose rebellion, get ready because the consequences are coming. Then it says, they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. I don't really like this, the NLT much, but I like what it writes here. They are loud mouthed braggarts, and they flatter others to get favors in return. They love to talk just to get over on people, to manipulate people. They speak arrogantly and boldly with flowery speech, words that tickle ears and draw crowds, but void of substance. They tell people what they want to hear so they can gain and profit from it. When false teachers come to my door, I love to talk to them, but it, you know, when you do talk to them, you have to get right down to it. Don't waste your time with anything else. They'll, they'll try to you know, chase rabbits and use terminology, and you just look them in the eye and say, what have you done with Jesus? Tell me who Jesus is. If it's a Jehovah's Witness, they'll say he's Michael the Archangel. If they're a New Ager, they'll just say he's the most elevated of all the gurus. If they're Mormons, they'll say that Jesus is the brother of Lucifer and is a created being, if they tell you the truth of what they really believe. So guys, what it gets down to is what have we done with God's son? Who is the Lord? And then we'll speak words to flatter and to encourage people. And if you just give this love offering, God's going to bless you. God may choose not to bless you in the way that you want to be blessed. God may take away the very thing that you want so desperately because it's become more important in your life than him. Amen? 2 Timothy 4 says this, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, will tell people anything in order to benefit themselves. Learn to recognize false teachers' words. And there's self, you'll see a self-absorbed focus, grumblers, complainers, using words that flatter. There's a whole movement right now of this of, of quote pastors online where they're telling people, hey, if you want to live a homosexual lifestyle, God has no problem with that. Hey, if you want to you know, do this, God has no problem with that. And they're preaching a false gospel because what they're encouraging people to do is the very thing that will destroy them and separate them from Almighty God. By the way, we don't do that around here. Amen? You guys know I love you, right? You know I love you. I love you guys so much there's no words for it. But I also love you enough that I promise you I will always tell you the truth. And my prayer is that I'll do it in love, and you'll know that it's coming from a heart of love. But you know what? They were more concerned with drawing crowds and promoting themselves than making disciples and glorifying God. See, that's what we're called to do is make disciples and glorify God, not draw a crowd and promote ourselves. Amen? It's not about Calvary Chapel, Caneo Valley. It's about the kingdom of God. And I'm just as excited when someone gets saved down the street as when they get saved here. So point number one, learn to recognize these false words. Just listen. They'll grumble. They'll complain. They'll walk according to their own lust. They'll tell you the words that they think you want to hear. They'll flatter people because they want to gain an advantage and get something from you. Point number two there, follow the clear instructions found in God's word. We will have verse 19, then I'll go back to point one. It's kind of confusing, but look at verse 17. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. In those days, they did not have a completed Bible the way that we do. And so what they did is they said, listen to the words that the apostles have delivered to you. That was the word of God for them. Now, again, eventually they're on scrolls, they were all written down, and you know, we've got the, we're the most accountable of all people because we've got it all right here. Those first century Christians would have done anything to have this book, amen? And so they had to heed the words of the apostles. We as Christians are to be different, not swayed by flowery and empty words of false prophets. We're not to heed that, and we'll know the difference. We're to remember the word of God, what God has said, not what others say that he said, Amen? I will talk to people all the time along with, you know, I have a full-time job. I have hundreds of accounts. I have coworkers. And people say to me, well, doesn't it say this in the Bible? I'm like, no, it doesn't. And they'll say, well, yeah, I heard it was. And then I just go, well, I've got one with me. Show me. Show me. Well, the Bible's filled with contradictions. Really? Okay, show me one. Here you go. It's right here. Show me one. And it's amazing to me how authoritative people are about a book they've never read. Can I get an amen to that? And what happens is we need to know what it says. So when someone says something like that, we can refute it, not with our opinion, not what somebody else said, but what the word of God says. Amen. This is the standard that we live by. 
Remember the words which they have spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, the early church didn't have the completed revelation that you hold in your lap. And the main test then was what did the apostles teach? They have complete and perfect word today, an errant word of God, and we should say now, what does the Bible say? And I don't care, I don't want the Bible that, you know, that was written in Brooklyn. Can I get an amen to that? I don't want a Bible that where they're making adages every week with a new magazine. Guys, if it's new, it's not true. If it's true, it's not new. We've got 66 books written by 40 authors on three continents and three languages, over 1,500 years with one central theme and no contradictions. How is that possible? Because God wrote it. Amen. You looking for some good reading on the plane? You got it right here. Amen. I need a magazine. No, you don't. I got 66 books to finish. Amen. January 1st is coming up. Start from the beginning. Early church, again, didn't have it. They were detesting what the apostles said. God's word is the authority. It's under attack today. What if we just use the Bible? I, I truly believe this. I think you could teach kindergarten to 12th grade with one textbook, this one right here. Amen? Transform people's lives. They can learn how to count by counting the number of books in the Bible. Can I get an amen to that? (laughs) From the beginning, Satan has attacked God's word. All the way back in the garden, he said to Eve, did God really say? By the way, how many commandments? The Bible hadn't even started being written yet. They only had one thing. Don't touch the tree. That's it. (laughs) One thing. Not, Not 66, but one thing. Don't touch the tree. Stay away from the tree. Did God really say? It's not a lot to remember. It was one sentence. <laughs> and he got it. Well, you, well, you know, he, he knows if you don't eat of it, you'll become like him. And people always want to pick on Eve because she's the one that was fooled by the serpent. But I just want to know where her husband was when she was talking to the serpent. Bro, where were you at, man? <laughs> Serpent's talking to my wife. We're going to have a problem, right? <laughs> I got a hole in my garage. We can take care of that. Amen. The Bible says in Isaiah, if they don't know, if they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. So if they're not preaching the word of God in, in truth and in power, they don't have the light in them. The word of God is under attack and false teachers do not give God's word the authority and the reference it deserves. The word of God is just that. It's God's word. God spoke and he wrote it down for us and he gives us the Holy Spirit so we can understand it. Why in the world would we turn to anybody else for advice, direction, or wisdom? Amen? It's the word of God. It's God's word. Imagine Almighty God showing up on earth with the word for, uh, for life, of life and death, eternity to all humanity, and then being told by the very men and women he created in his image that he sent his son to die for, that he's not welcome. How's that working out? I remember when I was a kid in school, when we had Christmas programs, every song was about Jesus. We had the, yeah, that means I'm old. They had the three wise men, right? I mean, it was all about Jesus, not in a Christian school. We, we, uh, we had classes we could take where we could use the Bible. I mean, it's all, you know what? We took the Bible out of schools, and back then, the biggest problem was kids chewing gum on campus. Things are a little different now. Take away the Word of God. Take away the authority of God's Word. Our government buildings in the public square. If someone says, separate the church and state to me one more time in Jesus' name, First of all, nowhere in the Constitution, did you know that? It was in a letter from Thomas Jefferson, and it was to protect the church from the state, not the other way around. So the church gets to be the church, and you get to share the gospel anywhere you want, and uh, man, it's just tragic. One of Satan's lies, again, is that it's not in the Constitution. Guess what? Even if it wasn't in the, even if it wasn't the Constitution, it doesn't stop us, because we obey God rather than man. Every single chance we get. Schools are worse. We move biblical teaching of creation and replace it with the lie of evolution. If you're sitting here and you believe in evolution, you need to repent. Can I get amen to that? Well, I'm a science guy. Guess what? My guy's an omni-science guy. Can I get amen to that? He's the all-knowing, almighty, all-powerful God. God created us in his image, and I don't see any amoebas in here right now. Amen? Did not go from the goo to the zoo to you. God created you in his image. 
He spoke it into existence, and evolution is a lie of the devil, and the only reason they believe, don't want to believe in creation, because if they believe in creation, they got to believe in the creator. And if they believe in the creator, then they're accountable to him. Amen? It's a lie of the devil, telling our kids, you weren't creating the image of God who loves you so much he sent someone to die for you. You, you were created by random chance. You're related to monkeys, and you wonder why they all act like it. Can I get an amen to that? Telling they're just a bunch of animals. So why is there an attack on God's word? Why? Look at verse 18. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. Shouldn't have been surprised then or today that there are those who mock and attack God's word. I heard a guy the other day say, they said, do you believe in the Bible? He goes, no, I'm not five years old. I don't believe in that. It's a fairy tale book. How many fairy tale books do you know have thousands of archaeological proofs? Amen? The, the book that has got more original uh, transcripts than anything else ever written. People quote Aristotle and reject the Bible. Do you know there's way more proof for the Bible being true than even Aristotle existing? Amen? So guys, we don't believe in spite of the evidence. And Satan can't refute, so he mocks. If he cannot deny the truth of the word of God, he's going to mock it instead. Wherever there is truth, there is always going to be counterfeit. And Satan is, uh, has allies in the church. Satan doesn't show up with a pitchfork in his hand. Instead, he comes as an angel of light, and he preaches a false gospel. By the way, you're not going to know if you're in a good church or not by looking at the people in the parking lot. Do they have Bibles in their hands? Are they walking in with God's word? Are they hungry to know what the word of God says? Or are they looking to be entertained? Guys, we don't come here to be entertained. We come here to worship the true and living God. Amen? So they walk according to their own ungodly lust. They mock, they mock God's standard because they don't want to be held accountable to it. There was a guy that years ago, and, and he was, we only had like eight key account reps in my office, so we were like a family, and one of the guys died. And he was the furthest thing away in, in the world from a Christian. And I, I ministered to that guy as much as I possibly could. I prayed for him daily. I loved him, and it broke my heart when he died. He actually went and got a treadmill test and dropped dead of a heart attack on the treadmill. And so it was sudden. And then we're at the funeral, and all the guys are there, and they're like, well, if anybody's in heaven, Larry's in heaven. He was a good guy. And I'm like, well, I know this isn't the best time to tell you this, but here's the reality. Uh, if Larry's in heaven, it's not because he's a good guy, but it's because we serve a great Savior. Because there are none righteous, no, not one. Well, no, he was a good guy. I said, compared to who? Compared to Saddam Hussein, okay. Adolf Hitler, you know, you got a nice high bar for yourself there, right? Amen. We don't compare ourselves to other people. We compare ourselves to Christ and all have fallen short of his glory. Amen. And see, we're so afraid of offending people that we don't want to speak the truth. And please offend me with the truth. Amen. They mock God's standard because they don't want to be accountable. So sad as rebellion against God and his word produces both eternal separation and temporal heartache. You know, disobeying God in this life is a disaster and it only gets a million times worse after this life is over. Amen? When you look back at your life before the Lord, was it better than it is now? It was a lot worse. Amen? You were going through that life alone. You are spiritually dead in your trespasses and sins. You gave your life to Jesus Christ. You've been born again. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And when you go through the trials of life, you're not alone. He walks with you. Amen? That's the God that we serve. God created us in his image to know him. Without him, our lives may have temporal moments of happiness, but we will never know real joy. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love and joy. His word is a roadmap not only to eternal life, but an abundant, joyful life now. I get this all the time, and I want to say that it's not completely true. People will say to me, you're so strong in your faith. I would never be able to do what you're doing if my son died. And I want to tell you something. I'm not that strong, but he is. Amen? I'm not doing this alone, or I, just, I would be done. But he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He's a faithful God. And a faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. Amen? See, it's the trials of life that make us hold on to them with both hands, right? When you're in the, you know, Psalm 23, when you're lying down in green pastures, you can forget where the shepherd is, but when you're walking through the valley of shadow of death, you're hanging on to them with both hands, amen? 
See, mockers, these, those in rebellion who attempt to silence the truth, walk according to their own ungodly lust, making a horrible choice that will bring heartache now and an eternal separation from Almighty God. And there are so many things the enemy can use. Talk about your own times of rebellion, lying, cheating, stealing, fornication, adultery, anger, bitterness, drugs, alcohol, pride, selfishness. Whatever those things are that you gave yourself over to, how did that work out? Way the transgressor's hard. Ways of our flesh, heartache, emptiness, and eventual destruction. We need to remember God's word. We need to share the truth of the word with those who are hurting. There are mockers and false teachers preaching their lies, attacking God's word, and you and I have been called to stand for the truth. You know, it's our turn, right? You understand that, right? All the apostles, they've been in heaven for a couple thousand years. All the people that went before us, that taught the word of God and stood up for the truth of God's word, well, guess what? They're all in heaven now. It's our turn. How faithful are we going to be in handling this that's been assigned to us? This is our assignment, to know him and to make him known. That's our assignment, amen? And that's the grade that matters. Are we knowing him and making him known? Are we so caught up in everything else that we don't know what the assignment even is anymore? You and I have been called to stand for the truth of God's word. Not religious recruiters, but truth proclaimers. Amen? I'm not trying to come join our religion. No, I don't even like that word. You know why? Because what it's come to mean is man's attempt to reach God through man's own efforts, right? Religion, I got to keep all these rituals and hopefully I'll be good enough to get into heaven. I love what the word really means. You've heard me talk about it. Religion, the word is relingara. It means to relink. It's relinking sinful man back to holy God. But what it's come to mean is I need to keep all these rituals in hopes that I will earn heaven. Well, the truth is that what it really ought to be, it's not about, it's not about a religion, it's about a relationship. This morning, I would ask you all, is Jesus Christ your best friend? Do you spend time with him every day? He's the first thing you think of when you wake up in the morning. Do you have that Holy Spirit filter when you're talking to your friends? Anybody, amen to that? Thank you, Jesus, Amen. Isn't it good that, you know, that's, that's why words don't slip out. They pour out from your heart because that'll go up through your heart, through the Holy Spirit filter and out of your mouth. Amen. And that only happens when we're disregarding the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You've heard the term friends don't let friends drink and drive. You ever heard that before? Here's mine. Friends don't let friends burn in hell. Uh-oh, Pastor Dave, we just, we just came for this little children's program today. I had no idea. <laughs> going to see kids do this. I had no idea. We're all here by divine appointment. Amen. This is, this is the word of God. This is the frustration of Jude as he sees all these false teachers. If you go online, if you flip through channels, if you listen on the radio, there's some really solid stuff, but there's a lot of garbage. Amen. And we get caught up in it. And we got a lot of professors who are going to answer to almighty God on judgment day. I've told you about my philosophy teacher, first day of class, he said, there is no absolute truth, and if anybody here thinks there's absolute truth, stand up and I will make a fool out of you. I was in the back row, it was one of those classes that had stadium seating, about 200 students. It was game day, I played college football, had a jersey on, I stood up. He said, oh, the big dumb jock in the back is going to tell us about absolute truth. Go. I said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is the truth. Amen? And he picked on me for the rest of the semester, and I ended up having to drop the class about halfway through. I'll, real quickly, he had this thing where I have my own reality, and you have your own reality. And he would say, in my reality, maybe the sky's green. I'm, I'm like, this guy's an idiot, right? <laughs> and my reality, and my reality, so he brought me up front for a, a demonstration. He said, well, my reality, and he did, did this thing, and he goes, what about your reality? And so I reached out. He had this chain that he had talked about three or four times about what it meant to him. I reached over and snatched the chain off his neck. I said, in my reality, stealing's not wrong. In my reality, this is my chain now. <laughs> Withdrawal slip. <laughs> out of my class point is that we take the false teaching of the world to its logical extreme, it's just plain stupid. Amen? We want to walk in the truth. Now, going back to point one for verse 19, notice what it says there. These are sensual persons who cause division, not having the Spirit. See, you know what unites us? 
the Holy Spirit. Amen? When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit went from being with you to being in you. You are now born again. You're now a citizen of heaven. And we have Jesus in common. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not saved. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not going to heaven. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you've not been born again. Amen? And don't you recognize the Holy Spirit in other people pretty quickly? Amen to that? I mean, people in the grocery store, we start talking. You're a believer, right, bro? Yeah, man. Where do you fellowship? God bless you, man. We're hugging. We're Facebook friending, right? Amen. Hugging at the line on the way out. If I don't see you again, I'll see you in heaven. Why? Because when you have Jesus in common, you got everything in common. Amen? You know what false teachers don't have? The Holy Spirit. They're spiritually dead. Would you take advice from a corpse? I hope not, because that's what the world is before they came to know the Lord. Amen? They're, they're sensual persons, and this is the, they're, they're all fleshly and carnal. They're all about getting their flesh fed. Nothing else matters. And they divide. They're carnal. They're fleshly. They're lost, yet claiming they had a deeper truth and a better way, a way that included feeding their fleshly desires by claiming that the deeds of the flesh had no impact on the spirit. They don't have the spirit. They're spiritually dead. The Holy Spirit is our seal of ownership and the promise of eternal life. Many struggle to discern between the flesh and the spirit. How can I know if it's a, uh, from God or from man? How do I know if it's a fleshly ministry? I'll tell you why, because it magnifies a man. It doesn't magnify the Lord. Amen? When I turn on TV and I see the worldwide ministry of, and it's got some person's name underneath, change that channel. Because it's not about a man, it's about the Lord. Amen? The spirit glorifies Christ. What does the Spirit do? He's always pointing people to Jesus. Amen? Always. Jesus was always pointing people to the Father, and the Holy Spirit was always pointing people to Jesus. Amen? So when you have someone that's filled with the Spirit, they're going to point people to Jesus. It says in Hebrews 4, for the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and of marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When the Spirit is ministering through the Word, there is edification. When the flesh is merely uh, manufacturing a ministry, at best it is fruitless entertainment, and at worst... It is destructive. Guys, we need to listen to the Word of God. We need to know what the Word of God says so we're never duped by the lie of the enemy. So the first thing we saw there in point number two, following the clear instructions, remember God's Word. Secondly, keep growing spiritually. Look at verse 20. But you, so he's just talked about the false teachers. He's talked about those who bring division. He's talked about those who don't know God, who don't have the Holy Spirit. And then he changes it right here. But you, but you should be different. Look what it says there. Beloved. And I love the word beloved. It just shows his deep love. By the way, you can be direct with people when you love them. Well, you know that because you come to church here. Amen. But <laughs> you can be direct with people when you love them. And you know, what? here's the truth. I teach the way I like to be taught. I told you this before. I go, I've heard sermons and I'm half an hour in and I don't even know where we're going. I don't know what the point is. I have no idea. And at some point, 60 minutes later, they try to weave something in. Just tell me what it says. <laughs> Amen? Observation. What does it say? Interpretation. What does it mean? Application. Here's how you apply it to your life. And so he's exhorting him, and he says to him, look, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. So the first thing we need to do, see there and keep growing, we need to build ourselves up. Now, we're not building self up in a sense, but in faith. We're growing in faith. Our, shape, our faith should continue to grow. Again, a faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. And it's the testing of our faith that produces a, a spiritual growth. You know, the, the way we grow the most is when, most often when we're suffering the most, when we're going through the deepest trials, when the waves are the biggest. That's when we got to keep our eyes on Jesus and not get overwhelmed by the things around us. And we build ourselves up as Christians should be building up and growing up. While it, gr while it grows as we experience God's hand upon our lives, the main source of spiritual growth is through his word. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by. So if you want to grow spiritually, spend more time in God's word. 
Guys, this is what you eat. If you don't feed on the word of God, you will die of malnutrition. Amen? We need to be in the word of God. The word of God is what transforms our lives. One of my favorite Bible teachers, John Corsi, you've heard me say this before. People would say, I wish I had faith like you. He lost his wife in a car accident, then his daughter, and then his son died of a brain tumor. And that brother just keeps teaching the word. And people say to him, I want to have faith like you. He says, you can. Read the Bible as much as I do. Amen? Well, I don't have any faith. How much time are you spending in the word? How much time are you spending on your knees in prayer? How much time are you spending with the Lord? The very thing the enemy seeks to silence is our greatest source of spiritual growth. The enemy wants the Bible removed from everything. By the way, you can get free Bibles in prison and none in school. If we had more in school, we'd have less people in prison. Can I get him into that? Keep growing spiritually, building yourself up through God's word. And then he says there next, what does he say right there in verse 20? Building yourself in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. The word of God and prayer to grow together in spiritual growth. The word increases our faith and prayer in the spirit increases, increases our power to live it out. We must not only know the truth, but be empowered to walk in it. It's one thing to know what the Bible says. It's another thing to walk in it. Open it, read it, obey it. Amen. Not just what does it say, but what it, and what does it mean, but how does it apply to my life? Help me to obey you, Lord. Help me to walk in the center of your will. Billy Sunday, who was an evangelist many years back, gave, three, gave converts three rules for success in the Christian life. He said, read your Bible. Let God talk to you. Spend time in prayer. Talk to God. Witness. Tell others about him. You know what? If every Christian would just read the Bible, pray, and tell others about him, isn't that what we're called to do? Amen. And here's the sad part, just between you and the Lord. When's the last time you told somebody about the Lord? When's the last time you shared your faith with anybody? When was the last time you got on your knees and interceded in prayer for somebody that doesn't know the Lord? When was the last time you prayed for your next door neighbor? When was the last time you, you, know, you got out of your comfort zone and shared your faith openly and boldly? I pray you do it this Christmas. Maybe you got family coming over that doesn't know the Lord. Please don't be ashamed of the gospel and the birth of our, day of our Savior. Amen? Prayer in the Holy Spirit, it says, not with vain repetition. You want to grow on the Lord? Say 5,000 Hail Marys. Guess what that'll do? Absolutely nothing. You might as well be doing Marys dotes and dozy dotes as much as you do that. It's totally vain repetition. We don't pray to dead, dead saints. Can I get an amen to that? Mary used mildly by God. Woman used mildly by God. She can't hear our prayers. And if anybody could come down here and tell us to knock it off, it'd be Mary. Stop it! That's what Mary would say to you. Don't pray with vain repetition. The Bible tells us not to pray with vain repetition. Well, pray this 5,000 times. It's nonsense. You know what the Lord wants? If your kid get, got on your lap and said, can I, can I, can I, can I, can I, can I, 5,000 times, would that, would that help? Or would you rather have them sit in your lap and say, Dad, I love you. Mom, I love you. I need your help. Here's what's going on in my life. Can you please help me? That's how we need to talk to our Heavenly Father. Amen? Let him know we love him. Seek his will. But prayer in the Holy Spirit, intimate fellowship with God, seeking to get his will done on earth. Lord, I just lay my life at your feet. I just want you to use me for your kingdom and for your glory. Lord, give me divine appointments today. Lord, you know what? Lord, help. I pray that often. You've heard me say that. Something's about to take place. Lord, help. I pray that a lot. My wife, I'll say that. She'll go, what's going on? Because I do it enough. <laughs> Lord, help. It's a good prayer. Amen. Keep growing spiritually. Build yourself up through God's word. Pray empowered by the Holy Spirit. Here, it says next, verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. God's agape love for you is unconditional, not based on performance. Now, don't we all sometimes, when we really blow it, feel like God may not love us as much? Has anybody ever felt that way besides me? Don't you, you do it and you're like, oh, Right? And then you feel like you got to get some time away from when that happens so that God will love you again. You know what? When your kids blow it, do you stop loving them? You don't. And we're imperfect parents, and he's a perfect God. Amen? Our love for him does grow and deepen as we draw closer to him. The word grow there is to abide. We abide in his love as we spend time in his word, as we obey his word, and as we delight in what pleases him. To know him is to love him. You know, I tell people that, you know what? The better you know him, the more you're going to love him. Amen? And the way you get to know him better is to spend time in his word. 
He wrote you a love letter. If you love me, you'll obey me. The highest form of worship is obedience. The fullness of God's blessing in my life are experiences as I walk in obedience to him and to his word. To know him intimately, intimately won't be drawn away by nonsense of false teachers. A week from today, I will have been married to my wife for 38 years. Amen. And nobody is going to draw me away from the woman I love. I don't care who it is. That being said, nobody's going to draw me away, even more so from the Savior that I love. He's the Lord of my life. I love him so much, I can't stand it. Amen? I am so blessed to be his son. I am so thankful. Why in the world would I listen to anybody that wants to draw me away from the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the Almighty God, the Creator of all things? Why in the world would I? Who else has the words of eternal life? Amen? We want to hang on to Him. Deepen in your love for the Lord. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep growing spiritually, living every day in light of eternity. Know Him intimately. Then He says, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and then he said, uh, unto eternal life, living every day in anticipation that Jesus Christ is coming back. I've had a few people say, well, in your teaching revelation, what, what end times view do you have? Well, we'll, we'll come back on, on New Year's Day. But here's what my perspective is, that Jesus Christ could come back at any minute. And we need to live every day in light of eternity. And my prayer is when he comes back, he finds us busy about his work. Amen? Now, no man knows the day or the hour, and anybody says he does, he's a false prophet. But we can know the season, and we're living in rapture season. Just look around us. Amen? So let's live out loud for the Lord. Let's recognize that eternity is coming. Our life is but a vapor. Even if I live to be as old as my father, I've got about 20 years left on this planet. Compared to eternity, that's nothing. Amen? And we need to live every day in light of eternity. Keep us from placing too much importance on the temporal and the carnal. Keep us from being falsely swayed by false teachers. Live every day. So what it says at the end of verse 21, so the four things we saw is build yourself up through God's word, pray empowered by the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in the love of God, and live every day in light of eternity. You know, it won't matter in heaven my son's truck, the one who went to heaven, had blown up right a few days be you know, before. And we were talking, he bought a brand new truck and the engine blew. And I said, son, this won't matter in heaven. He goes, that's kind of how I'm looking at it. Well, he's in heaven now. Do you think he's worried about that truck? When we get to heaven, the stuff that we think is important now, some of that stuff will be, it's wood, hay, and stubble. It won't matter. Point C there, exercise spiritual discernment. Notice what it says there. And some have compassion, making a distinction but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Well, that's heavy, huh? How are we to reach out to those who have bought into the lies of a false teacher? We can't treat them all the same. We need wisdom when we witness to people. Some people, we just need to show them compassion and love on them. Put your arm around them and say, man, I love you, bro. I'm so sorry for what you're going through. I just want you to know there is an answer. His name's Jesus Christ. And you've been caught away by some false teacher that was promoting himself. And I know that caused you to struggle with anybody that talks about God. What I would encourage you to do is open up the Bible and let God speak directly to you. Let the Lord minister to your heart. Put your arm around him and love on him in Jesus' name. There's others that have got caught up in false teaching that are promoting it and standing on it and arrogant about it and putting your arm around them isn't going to work. And so for them, you look them in the eye and go, bro, you are a false prophet teaching a false gospel and you're going to burn in hell if you don't get right with Jesus. That's called discernment. Can I get an amen? <laughs> now, most of the time, it's to put your arm around them. How many got saved that way? Someone's compassionate, loved on you and taught you the truth and you got saved. Okay, how many of you got saved when someone loved you enough to be blunt and get in your chest with both feet? Here we go. See, you got to do both. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> amen? And so he's exhorting them to use wisdom and discernment. It says, with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hitting even the garment defiled by flesh. 
Again, a kind of loving word rightly spoken produces a tenderness and a brokenness, but we also need to use discernment. There are times when we need to love people enough to get in their chest with both feet. Well, because I love you, I'm concerned about where you're going to spend eternal life. I had that discussion with my older brother who went to heaven this year as well. Years ago, you me and Jesus, Dave, man, I know you're a pastor. Me and Jesus, we're like this, bro. We're like this. I'm like, does he know that? You know what I mean? <laughs> but he's my brother, and I loved him enough to get in his chest with both feet. And Mark, I love you, but Mark, you're headed to hell without Jesus, bro. You cannot live this life. Rebellion or fellowship, choose one. You're in rebellion. You need to get right with the Lord. Mark, you know. And praise the God, when he, when he went to heaven... I went to his Facebook page and last four posts all talked about the grace of God and the love of God and the mercy of God and how he had been born again. See, but guys, we need to love people enough that, look, sometimes the person is just about to go into the street and they don't see the car and you just pull them back. Sometimes someone's in a car on fire and you got to pull them out and it might hurt along the way. Amen? But when you love people enough to recognize that eternity is weighing in the balance Again, dragging someone from a burning building or out of the way of a train. And again, need to do it with love, do it with concern, but we need to be direct sometimes. And then finally, commit yourself to fully, commit yourself fully to Jesus. Guys, we're not kind of married to Jesus. You're either married to Jesus or you're not. Amen? You're either born again or you're not. See the priority, the passion? Last two verses. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Isn't that good to know? He's able to keep you from stumbling. But you know how he keeps you from stumbling? You spend time with him. Amen? Lord, this is in front of me. Help me not to stumble. Lord, I need your direction. I need your wisdom. Lord, I can't do this by myself. You keep doing it by yourself, you will stumble. This is a doxology. This is the way he's ending this letter, and it's a brief declaration of praise to God. Jude's warning and exhortation may have depressed and discouraged his readers, and may have thought with so much false teaching and immorality around that very Christian, uh, Christians have, would have a hard time reaching heaven. He's going to remind them that the answer lies in the power of God because he is able to keep you. You can't keep yourself from stumbling. You need the Lord to help you do that. Amen? So, Lord, I can't do this. Put your eyes back on Jesus. Lord, I need your help. Lord, I'm desperate. Keep me humble, broken, and desperate. He says, and to present you false, faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. We're going to be presented fault. He keeps us from stumbling, and then he presents us on judgment day as sinless. Why? Because the Father is going to see us through the shed blood of the Son, and he's going to see us as holy, not because we kept from stumbling, but that the Lord delivered us, and he paid the price for us, and now we have the promise of eternal life. Amen? You're surrounded by false teachers and immorality, but take the heed. He will keep you from stumbling, and he will present you to heaven before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. His joy is to present us to the Father. What a Savior we have. What a Savior we have. He knows every wicked, vile thing you've ever done or thought, every wicked, vile thing you're ever going to do. He knows you best, and he loves you most. That's our God. And he doesn't just love you with an I love you note. He loves you by proving it, by going to the cross in your place, taking all of your sin upon himself, enduring the torment, the suffering, and the shame, having his blood shed for us. And he hung on that cross and he wasn't held there by nails. He was held there by love for you because he could have called a legion of angels down from the sky and smoked all those Romans where they stood. And he didn't do that. He hung on that cross because he loves me and because he loves you. And the next time you hear someone curse his name, you remember that. Can I get an amen? The next time there's an opportunity to share your faith, just remember how much he loves you. It says, you're faultless before the presence of his glory. Last verse, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. God is wise. God is glorious. God is majestic. He is all-powerful. He always has been. He always will be. Why would you turn to anyone else? This is a book of warnings, but it closes with the supreme confidence in Almighty God. No matter how great the trials and temptations you may face, our God is greater still. Amen?
We serve a great and awesome God. So in closing, learn to recognize the words of false teachers. They'll turn you away from the word of God. They've got their own special truth. Um, they'll, want, they'll encourage you to defile the flesh, to reject authority. Follow the clear instructions found in God's word. First of all, remember the word. Hey, I'm not a big believer in uh, New Year's resolutions because I usually am done by January 3rd. Can I get an amen? I'm going to do 5,000 sit-ups every day. January 2nd, not so much, right? But you know what? I want to encourage you with a vow before God that if you've never read through the entire Bible or if you've read through it 25 times, how many of us should read through the entire Bible in 2023? We're going to have stuff on the back table next Sunday. You're going to be able to pick that thing up. We read through it together. We have memory verses each week. I want to encourage you to read the book. Don't wait for the movie. Amen? Spend time in God's word. Then keep growing spiritually. Build yourself up in the word of God. Pray empowered by the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Live every day in light of eternity. This thing that you're struggling with right now, will it matter in eternity? That promotion you didn't get, will, that, will you be bummed out about that in heaven? Those things, those trials that we go through, some of them, there are are children and things like that, and those are things that are eternal. The only thing we're taking to heaven with us is people, amen? Exercise spiritual discernment in how you approach people with the gospel. You know what? Don't don't be in their chest with both feet if they need an arm around them, amen? Show discernment in how to show them the love of God. We don't know what they've been through, but we know that Jesus is the answer no matter what they've been through, Amen? And then finally, commit yourself fully to Jesus. Give him all the glory. He's our God, our Savior. He's all wise. He's glorious, majestic, powerful. That's the God we serve. Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you, Lord. You are indeed a great and an awesome God. We thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy that you've poured out upon us. We thank you, Lord, that our, your name has been in the, written in the Lamb's book. Our name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. And Lord, we just ask in Jesus' name, and there's anybody here today that doesn't know you, that today would be the day of salvation. The Bible says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. I'm not asking you to join a church or to do anything else, but if the word of God has gripped your heart this morning, and you've recognized that like all of us, you're a sinner and you need to be forgiven, and you've never surrendered your life to the Lord, not just making him Savior, but Lord of your life. If that's your desire, the Bible says, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. I'm going to give you a chance right now to pray a prayer with me. But first, just confess that you need to be born again. You're ready to surrender your life to the Lord. That's you this morning. Just raise your hand right where you are. Anybody. Don't leave here without the Lord. Don't leave here without the Lord. He'd rather die than live without you. I don't want anybody here to spend eternity separated from Almighty God. Anybody at all. Lord, we thank you we praise you. We love you. You are the reason for this season, but you're the reason for everything. And Lord, we praise and lift up your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. let's stand Amen. up and worship.